Hey everyone, tonight I'm reading a story about aliens from outer space. I love science fiction, and if you don't know what science fiction is, it's a type of story that talks about what the future could become and how humanity and people can change and grow and learn new things. It's based on what we know, that's the science part, but it also has new stuff added. That's where the word fiction comes into play. What's your favorite science fiction story? Do you have one? Email me at fantastictalesforkids at gmail.com, and I might even read your answers on the next episode. Parents, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, and if you're interested in helping fund more stories, please visit the link in the episode description. A dollar or two can go a long way. Oh, and don't forget to review and rate us. Your reviews go a long way towards helping us find more listeners. Tonight's story is called Sarah's Notebook Saves the World. Written by me, Adam Morton. This is Fantastic Tales. Sarah was a 10-year-old girl who loved to make jokes. During recess, she'd take out her notebook and write down any funny or happy things that happened to her that day. Didn't matter what they were, as long as it was a good memory. Earlier, Sarah and her best friend Raquel were in art class together. They were painting with watercolor. Raquel and Sarah were both really, really busy talking to each other, and Raquel picked up a cup of water she used to clean her brush and drank it. Immediately upon tasting it, she spit it out all over the picture she was painting. Both her and Sarah could not stop laughing. Sarah wanted to remember things like this. Some days when she was bored or sad or mad, she'd pull out her notebook and read all the funny or happy things she had forgotten about. The notebook was great at reminding her how she loved to laugh. One day, on her walk home from school, she saw her neighbors standing in their yard, looking up at the sky. They all looked really, really shocked. Mr. Abernathy, her next-door neighbor, had a pair of binoculars and was looking straight up at the sky. What on earth was going on? Sarah's dad saw her coming down the sidewalk and ran out to get her. Sarah, he said, quickly. Come inside. Sarah was a little worried. What's going on? she asked. She saw her mom sitting on the couch watching the news on her phone. She could tell by the look on her mom's face that something was really wrong. Her dad kneeled down beside Sarah. This worried her even more. Last year when her goldfish died, her dad kneeled on the floor the same way when he gave her the news. So she knew that when he did this, there was probably something bad coming next. Sarah, he said in his voice shaking, tonight the United States Air Force saw what appears to be an alien warship. It's currently in orbit right now. Sarah could tell her dad was really nervous and a little bit excited, too. She, however, was intrigued. Now she knew what her neighbors were doing in the backyard. They were probably trying to see if they could spot the ship as it passed through the orbit. We don't know why they are here, her dad said. The presidents of several countries have tried making contact, but the aliens don't seem to want to respond. There's nothing to worry about, though. Who was he trying to convince, thought Sarah. She wasn't worried at all. She was thrilled at this opportunity to get to meet real-life aliens. What would they look like? 
Were they tall, skinny men who were green, like in the movies? Or did they even look like humans at all? Maybe they were simply a bucket full of goo with two eyes. Maybe seven eyes. She had no idea how many eyes they had, but she figured they probably had to have at least some eyes. After all, most people and animals and fish and birds have eyes, so the aliens probably definitely did. Sarah looked over at her mother, who was still glued to the news on her phone. Sarah walked over to her mom and looked on the phone. The TV anchor lady was explaining a photograph of the ship. The ship looked like a giant tube, sort of like a giant paper towel roll, but no hollow part in the middle. On the ship, there seemed to be hundreds of little windows. Suddenly, another voice cut into the news. It was a man dressed in camouflage who had a bunch of medals on his outfit. He looked like some sort of real-life version of a toy soldier that her neighbor friend played with. We can't sit around waiting for these aliens to attack us, the general yelled at nobody in particular. If they don't attempt to try and talk with us soon, we need to open fire. We cannot give them a chance to hurt us. Sarah thought highly of most adults. She saw her daddy as a superhero and her mommy as the smartest person in the world. Her teachers and principals were also super smart, funny, and kind. In fact, she couldn't think of one adult who she didn't like. But when she saw this general speak about shooting the aliens, she realized that this was the very first adult she didn't think was very smart. If the aliens were going to harm them, they'd just do it already. They wouldn't just sit there watching them. Sarah wasn't worried before, but after hearing this general talk about firing missiles at the aliens, well, now she was worried more than her father. She decided not to watch anymore. She grabbed her book bag and went to her bedroom, leaving her mom on the couch with her phone and her dad on his laptop. In her room, she took out a funny notebook with all the stories in it that made her laugh. She counted all the pages she had filled out. There were over 60 pages written in it. The first page was written while she was seven years old. The first memory was when her mom was washing a bowl in the sink and accidentally held it under the water in such a way that it reflected soapy water all over the kitchen and her face. Sarah, her mom and dad both laughed for what felt like 10 minutes. Sarah smiled at the thought of this memory. She turned a few pages and found another one. This one was about her goldfish, the one that had died. The memory was about how she woke up on her birthday and her mom and dad had the goldfish in a fishbowl all ready to go for her in her bedroom. It sat on top of the dresser. It was such a surprise and made her so happy that morning. She remembered when the goldfish had grown old and died. She was sad, but she was also happy for all the good memories she had with her goldfish. And this memory still made her happy. Another good memory she had was when her dad got a new job. He was much happier. Plus, he didn't have to go to work on weekends anymore. After a few weeks of the new job, they went on a vacation together. The first vacation they had had in a while. It was a great memory. After cheering herself up, she decided to do some homework, watch some funny videos on YouTube, then eat dinner and eventually go to sleep. The next day at school, everyone was talking about the alien arrival. Most of her friends were really excited. Sarah realized they probably hadn't seen the video of the general talking about blowing them up. If they did, they'd probably be a little bit concerned, just like her. At lunch, she sat with Raquel and talked about what they'd say to the aliens if they had the opportunity. Raquel would say hi and ask if they wanted to pet her dog. Sarah would see if they liked music, and she would play them her favorite record. 
Poppy, a nine-year-old with way more confidence than she deserved, was sitting across the table listening to their conversation. She proudly interrupted Sarah to explain how she'd teach the aliens super-complicated quantum physics. Poppy was a little stuck up. Sure, she was really smart, and being smart is cool and all, but Poppy was very snobby about it. She especially loved bragging about how good she was at math, and how her mom was teaching her calculus after school. So when she interrupted, Sarah and Raquel rolled their eyes. But what happened next made the situation all worth it. While Poppy was bragging about quantum physics, she took a drink of her milk. But since she was so busy talking, she didn't stop to breathe. As soon as she swallowed the milk, she coughed. Milk came spraying out of her nose. Sarah laughed, Raquel laughed, and Poppy laughed too, a little. Sarah wrote this down in her notebook. The next few weeks passed by uneventfully. Sarah managed to see the alien ship pass over her home. It was really small and hard to see, but still visible. So far, the aliens still had not tried to talk to anyone on Earth. Sarah could tell most of the adults she knew were starting to get worried. And they had a good reason. When the news broke, everyone was really worried. The general and the president of the United States were on TV. Oh no, Sarah thought. This couldn't be good. The president said that they had tried contacting the aliens several times over the past few weeks, but the aliens just didn't respond. That was when the general started talking. The general announced his plan to deal with the aliens. He would order the Air Force to fire a missile at the alien ship. Even though nobody knew if the aliens were good or bad, the general was really excited to attack them and thought that it would encourage them to finally communicate. The president didn't really seem nearly happy about this idea, but Sarah could tell he was all out of ideas. So, as they said on TV, the next day they'd launch an attack. Well, the next day came, Sarah's parents let her stay at home from school. In fact, most people didn't go to school or work that day. Everyone wanted to see what was going to happen with the aliens. Sarah and her family huddled around the TV and watched as a giant airplane flew to the edge of the atmosphere and fired a giant missile at the alien ship. After traveling through the sky for what felt like hours, the missile finally hit the ship. But nothing happened. There was no damage at all. Sarah was secretly relieved. She didn't want the alien ship to get destroyed. For all we knew, they were still trying to figure out a way to talk with us. They didn't do anything to deserve being attacked. Suddenly, the ship turned and began moving through the sky much faster than it had done before. It began descending through the atmosphere, all the while getting closer to landing on Earth. That's when Sarah realized what was happening. The ship was landing in her city. She and her family looked out the window and could see the giant ship landing gently, not too far away. The ship was massive, probably the size of several skyscrapers. Sarah had never seen anything this big before. On TV, the news had their cameras pointed at the ship when suddenly a door began to open. This was it. The aliens were finally going to speak to us, thought Sarah. And hopefully they weren't mad that we just shot a missile at them. The door took several seconds to open. It finally fell to the ground like a ramp. On that ramp came the first alien, a small, blue creature that looked like a smaller version of a person. It had two long antennae, 
and on each antenna was two extra eyes in addition to the eyes on its head. Sarah couldn't believe her eyes. This was absolutely an amazing sight. The world had finally discovered it was not alone in the universe, and not only that, the aliens had decided to land in Sarah's very own city. The mayor of her city walked over to the door, ready to greet the aliens. Sarah's excitement turned to worry once again when the little blue alien took out a gun from its backpack. It pushed a few buttons, then pointed the ray gun at the mare. Suddenly, the air filled with a bright blue light. The alien then pulled out another small device and waved it around, like he was scanning the area. Content with what the device did, the blue alien got back in the ship and closed the door. The mayor looked around, confused. He and the local police went over to the alien ship and began knocking on the door, trying to get the ship to open again, but there was no answer. Soon, all of the army, including the general and the president, had arrived at their city in an attempt to study the alien starship. Sarah had never seen this many people in her city before. It wasn't just her president. There were 15 different presidents from various countries that all came to her city to see the ship. Despite all of this interest, the alien ship kept its door closed and refused to speak to anyone. That night, Sarah felt a little strange. It was a feeling she had never felt before. It almost felt like no feeling at all. It didn't make sense to her. So she read a few pages from her notebook, and before long she felt normal and happy again. The next day, Sarah's family tried to get back to their lives. She went to school the next day, but she realized everyone there was a little too distracted, including her teacher. Nobody seemed to want to talk about anything. But, weirder than that, nobody seemed to smile. At recess, Sarah tried telling Raquel a joke, but she just shrugged her shoulders. Raquel always liked hearing jokes, but today something was a little off. When she came home, she realized both her parents had the same problem. Neither smiled, neither laughed. It wasn't like they were sad, either. In fact, they just weren't anything. Not sad, happy, angry, worried, nothing. They were just blank. Blank human beings, she thought. Sarah didn't like this at all. She asked both her parents what was wrong. They just blankly stared at her. Nothing is wrong, Sarah, they both said, with no emotion. Everything is okay. Sarah turned on the TV. The TV anchor was the same way. She just read the news with zero emphasis or excitement or enthusiasm. Even the general was affected. Before, he was excited about shooting at the aliens. Now, he didn't seem to care much about anything. Sarah definitely knew something was going on. And that's when she remembered the blue alien and its gun. It fired a blue light that lit up everything, and ever since, people were acting strangely. That must be it, she thought. Whatever the alien did, it affected people's emotions. For some reason, though, it didn't affect her. The next few days were awful. Nobody smiled, nobody laughed. Not only that, nobody seemed sad or mad. They all reminded Sarah of robots, not the people she knew and loved. Sarah just didn't know what to do, but she tried pretending everything was normal for a while. At school, Sarah blew milk out of her nostrils, hoping to get Poppy and Raquel to laugh. They simply looked at her with a vacant expression. No smile, no laughter, nothing. It was hopeless. When she came home and saw her mom, she told her a joke, even though she knew her mom wouldn't laugh. Still, she tried, though. 
Sarah could not stand it anymore. She went all through the neighborhood and her city trying to find someone who could actually smile and talk like a normal person. On TV, the news people seemed to understand things weren't normal. We seem to be under some sort of influence. Whatever it is has robbed us all of our emotions, the news person said. However, I don't think anyone cares. This was baffling. Everyone seemed to understand something was wrong, but nobody cared enough to fix it. And all the while, the alien ship remained quietly parked in her city. Since nobody seemed to have any emotions, everyone just packed up and left. All the hundreds and thousands of people who had come to see the aliens in her city just left. It was as if the aliens weren't even there. Sarah realized that everyone on the planet must be affected, and there was nothing she could do. But she knew she had to keep trying. If she was the one person, the only person on Earth who could still experience some sort of emotion, some sort of joy, then it was her responsibility to save mankind. But she just couldn't think of anything to do. She stopped going to school. She stopped playing with her friends and stayed home. And her, of course, her parents didn't care. Nobody did. Nobody did anything. Since she was so bored, she decided to go visit the alien ship one day. She had never gotten to see it up close, only on TV. After riding her bike for about 30 minutes, she arrived at where the ship was parked. She walked over to it and put her ear up to the hole to see if she could hear any aliens on the inside. There was nothing. No alien talking, no ship noise. Nothing. She pounded on the door. Open up, you stupid aliens, she screamed, her fist pounding on the door. You need to fix us. Her eyes filled with tears. She was hopeless and alone before, but now she was mad. Mad that nobody was acting normal. Mad that the general attacked the ship. Mad that the aliens apparently shot the entire Earth with some sort of ray gun. She picked up a glass bottle on the ground and threw it at the ship. It smashed into hundreds of pieces. Sarah felt weird doing this, but of course, nobody seemed to care. It felt good. She found more bottles. One after another, she threw them at the massive ship. When she couldn't find any more glass, she picked up a rock and started pounding the door with it. Over and over and over. You stupid aliens! She screamed. That was it, though. It was no longer fun to hit the ship or throw things at it anymore. She slid down onto the ground, hopeless and crying. She knew things would never be the same. And that's when she began to hear the door opening. It sounded almost like a garbage truck. She stood up and jumped back, afraid the door would fall on her when it opened up like a ramp. The massive piece of metal slammed onto the ground, while some sort of steam poured out from the inside of the ship. It looked like a really old science fiction movie where the filmmakers used dry ice and fog machines to make the aliens look spooky and cool. Only this was real yet it still looked incredibly silly. Sarah couldn't believe her eyes. The ship had been there for about two months since the scientists first discovered it in space, and it had only opened up once. Now it was opening up again, and not just for anyone. It was opening for her. The little blue alien hobbled down the ramp. It looked like some sort of penguin, or maybe a person with their pants pulled over their knees, making it hard to walk. It was actually kind of silly, but Sarah was far too entranced to laugh. 
The alien saw Sarah and walked over to her. She stepped back, afraid of what the alien might do to her. Greetings, human. I am Slurp. I am a Taldonian from the planet Quiznar 4, it said. Sarah forced herself to reply. My name is Sarah, she said. What did you do to my family and friends and, and everyone on Earth? We came here to study your people. We thought we had our invisibility cloaking device turned on so you wouldn't see us or be bothered by our presence, Splurt explained. But then we realized it was broken once you shot a weapon at us. It was very awkward. We were not ready to make contact with your people. But since you provoked us, we had no choice but to use a joy sucker weapon to get you to calm down. That was the only way to study you. Sarah scratched her head. Wait, so you came to our planet thinking we couldn't see you? You have all this crazy cool technology, and you didn't realize it was broken? She asked, incredulously. Splurt looked sheepish. Torgoth was responsible for making sure the cloaking device was working. We blame him. He is not a good invisibility cloak engineer. Why didn't you just try and talk to us after we fired the missile? Sarah asked. We didn't know if we could trust you. It wasn't safe. The only way to remain here and study this planet was with the Joy Sucker gun. That would keep you all calm and protect us from another attack, Splurt explained. But for some strange reason, you, you, Sarah, were not affected by the Joy Sucker ray gun. When we saw you throwing rocks at our ship, we realized you must be immune to its effects. Why is this? Why what? Sarah asked. Why aren't you like the others? Splurt questioned. Sarah didn't know why. She had been asking herself the same question for several days now. She didn't have an answer. Can you fix us? Can you put us back to the way we are when you leave? Sarah pleaded. No, we cannot do anything to reverse its effects. However, soon everyone will go back to being normal. The ray gun's effects will wear off, Splurt explained. Sarah sighed in relief. This was great news. How long will it take for everyone to go back to being normal? She asked. Oh, not long at all. One snorkin, actually, Splurt replied. How long is a snorkin? Sarah asked. Oh, not very long. Approximately 700 Earth years. Apparently, these aliens had a different concept of time than humans. Sarah's heart sank at this news. 700 years? I can't wait that long. I'll be dead by then, Sarah exclaimed. I am sorry, Earthling. Nothing can be done. But the good news is we are done studying your planet. We will return home and you can continue your existence. Splurt turned and began waddling back inside his ship. Nope. Sarah wasn't having any of this. She grabbed the alien and hopped on her bike, carrying Splurt with her. Release me, Earthling, Splurt demanded. Not until you fix us, she demanded. I'm taking you home with me. If you want to go back to your ship, you need to tell your friends to figure out a way to fix us. That is impossible, Splurt said. You're going to have to figure it out, Sarah barked. Soon, they were back at Sarah's home. She carried Splurt into her living room. Her mom was sitting on the couch, apparently doing nothing. Her dad was staring at the floor. What is that? Her dad asked. This is an alien from the ship. I'm holding him hostage until his people can figure out how to fix us, Sarah said confidently. That's nice, sweetie, 
her mom said, devoid of any inflection. Sarah set Splurt up with his own bed and blanket. You'll sleep in here tonight, Sarah said as she tried to tuck Splurt in. You are making a mistake. My people will do whatever it takes to rescue me. You do not want them to be mad, Splurt pleaded. You're going to have to do better than that. Now go to bed. Tomorrow we are going to figure out how to save mankind. As they went to sleep, Sarah explained what her people were like. She explained how awful it was that nobody had any emotions anymore. It was like living with a bunch of pet rocks. Splurt eventually began to understand what Sarah was saying, and he actually started to feel bad for her. As they both began to fall asleep, Splurt promised to help her. Finally. You don't have a choice, Sarah snapped before they fell asleep. The next day, Splurt took apart his joy sucker weapon in an attempt to reverse its power. After a few hours of tinkering, he fired it at a random person to see if he could return them to normal. Nothing happened. Darn it all to Blesnark, Splurt yelled in frustration as he threw the ray gun to the ground. I don't know what to do. This is making me upset. Splurt sat down next to Sarah. Do you know what I do when I'm sad? Sarah asked. I read this. Sarah pulled out her memory notebook. She explained to Splurt how the memories put her in a better mood, and how every time something good happens, she writes it down so she'll remember it. After you first shot everyone with the ray gun, I decided to read a bit to make myself feel better, and... Sarah trailed off. She was getting an idea. Wait! That's why the joy sucker didn't affect me! Because my notebook! Splurt's eyes opened wider. The antenna on its head began flopping around like an excited dog's tail. Of course, Splurt said. Such memories work as a catalyst to restore proper cognition and emotional response in the brain. It all makes so much sense. In English, please, Sarah said, confused. What do we do? How do we use this to actually fix everyone? How do we restore mankind back to the way they should be? She asked. Your people need to be reminded of what happiness is, Splurt said. Oh, I can do that, she exclaimed. Splurt didn't know what her idea was, but he trusted that she had a good one. Sarah ran home to her mother and told her about the time they found a homeless dog on the street and how it ate her meatloaf on the table later that night before they found the owner. She read to her dad the story about the time he took her fishing, but accidentally got the hook stuck on his pants and couldn't get it off. For the rest of the trip, he had a giant hole ripped in his pants that he had tried to fix with duct tape. She told Raquel about the time they had had a karaoke party at her house and saying BTS really, really bad and ended up making the neighbor's dog howl at the moon. Sarah would find a memory for each person she could and read it to them. One by one, slowly but surely, a twinkle returned to their eyes. It's working, Splurt noticed. Whatever you're doing, it's working. Keep doing it. For the next week, Sarah was able to turn back everyone she had written about in her book. But there was a bigger problem. There were many more people in the world that she just didn't know. She didn't have any good memories of them to remind them of what having emotions felt like. The only ones she had were her friends and family. But as her mom and dad and friends started becoming normal again, she explained to them what had happened and how she fixed the problem. It was the aliens. They used a device that makes you lose your emotions, she explained. I was able to get you back to normal by reading you certain memories and reminding you. But there are still many more people left in the world who I don't know. We have to figure out a way to fix them. 
Sarah's mom had an idea. Here's what we do, she said. Your father and I will find every person we know and tell them a memory. Your friends should tell every person they know the same. This way we'll get all the people that you don't know, and they can tell their friends and family, and those people can tell their friends and family, so on and so forth. They started that day. It took over six months to fix the city, but then people began turning much faster. The rest of their state took one week, then the country took two days. From that point, the rest of the world was finished in hours. The general was the last person to be brought back to normal. However, he had changed. He was much nicer and thoughtful and careful with his ideas. The first thing he did was apologize to the president and the country, and eventually splurt. Splurt accepted the apologies of the general and everyone else and explained that its species love to study other societies and species just like humans. In Splurt's own time, it had visited over 700 million planets, each with their own species of people. Humanity was thrilled to have gotten the chance to meet Splurt and its people. Splurt finally went back to its planet and left the people of Earth back to their own business. But Earth was never the same. By losing their emotions and gaining them back again, Earth learned an important lesson. Life is worth living only when you can enjoy it with someone else. Humanity, the Earth, had changed its outlook on the whole. Soon, many wars ceased. People stopped fighting. World hunger was ended as the wealthiest nations in the world finally worked together to help those in need. Everyone began to embrace freedom and more deeply understood what it was to enjoy the people you live with. Life is special and it's even made more special by those who surround you and love you. Sarah eventually grew up, and history knew her not just as the girl who saved humanity, but as a leader for all. The End